0: You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Well, good morning, Houston's First. It's so good to be with you. Again, my name is Matt Carter. I want to welcome you here at uh, Houston's First Baptist Church. I want to say hi to those, everybody here in person, joining us online and on the radio. We're so glad you joined us today. It's an honor to be preaching for Pastor Greg. I went to Texas A&M back in the 90s. Yep, and um, Pastor Greg is uh, probably the most influential guy in my life as far as just going into the ministry and stuff, and so it's an honor to be here. Um, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles, if you brought one, to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1. We'll be there in a few minutes. Beginning our series, new series today called Live Connected. So Romans, chapter 12, verse 1. We'll be there in a minute. Let me ask you guys a question. How many of you guys grew up um, in the 80s and or you like 80s music? Raise your hand. All right? Lobs in the room. I think 80s music's awesome. Um, but here's the thing about 80s music. I, I started listening to it again recently. I got Sirius Satellite Radio on my truck. And so they have an 80s station. And so I've been driving around listening to 80s music for the first time in a long time. And I realized something. That there were these songs when I was a kid, like in the eighth grade, that I would sing at the top of my lungs, but I had absolutely no idea what they really meant, right? And then now, as a forty-nine-year-old guy, as a pastor, I'm in. I'm in my truck. I'm singing these songs, and I'm actually listening to the words and thinking about the words. And I'm like, that song is filthy. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're singing "Pour Some Sugar on Me," and you're like, "No, I don't want any sugar poured on me," but you're just singing that as an eighth grader. You know, I, and, and then there's, there's these songs that I listen to, that I, I, I listen to them, and they're like, you know, I paid no attention to what that was saying, but it's really, really good. One of the things I've realized, especially for those of us that grew up in church, is that we have a tendency to do that with Scripture. Is that we've heard certain Scriptures so many times, we've read them so many times, we've heard them preached on so many times that we hear them, and they just kind of go over our heads, and we don't think deeply about what they're saying, but there's these verses that if you stop and you look at them and you focus on them and think deeply about what they say, they're profound and they're life-changing. And we come across a couple of those verses today. Now, let's read. Let's jump in here. I'm going to read verse 1 to you, talk about it for like 10 seconds, and then we're going to camp out on verse 2. So let's, this is the Apostle Paul. He's speaking of the church in Rome. Romans 12.1. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, okay? So Paul's like, look, back in the day, they used to have this thing called the sacrificial system. And if you wanted to kind of get right with God and, and receive forgiveness of your sins, you took an animal, you shed its blood, you sacrificed it to God, and that was your worship. But Paul's like, Jesus has come. He died on the cross. He was the once and for all time sacrifice for our sins. We don't need to kill animals anymore. So this is what worship looks like now. Worship now looks like you offer your body as a living sacrifice to God. Okay? That's your worship. And then in verse 2, we come across one of these verses that if anything like me, you've heard it so many times, you never stopped and actually thought about it deeply. Let's look at it together, Romans 12, 2. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now this first part of the verse there, is, is where we're going to spend some time today. We're going to unpack it, the part where Paul says this, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's one of those verses for me, never thought about deeply. I did this week, and what I realized is that it's profound. It's, it's actually life-changing. In, in my humble opinion, this verse contains... One of the biggest life hacks that I've ever learned in my life. It's changed my life. You know, when I say life hack, y'all know what I'm talking about. Life hack's one of those things that it's a little piece of wisdom you get in your old age and, or maybe in your young age or whatever, piece of wisdom. And if, if you do it, once you learn it, it completely changes your life. That's a life hack. Um, I'm actually going to give you a free life hack today that I learned in my old age. Uh, this one's for men. Y'all ready for this? Just a little simple life hack. Um, if your wife or your girlfriend ever ask you the question, do I look good in this dress? The answer is yes. Every single time she ever asked that. Even if she doesn't look good in the dress, the answer is, is yes. It's actually the only time that the Bible says it's okay for you to lie is right then. You just says it right there. It says, do not bear false witness except if your wife asks you if she looks good in the dress. And she doesn't, then you lie. That's, that's in the Bible. Go look it up. All right? I actually, this has nothing to do with sermon, but I, I learned this the hard way. Um, I met my wife at a and and we were in the 90s and we met in history 101 class and fell in love and started dating. And I'll never forget, we were, it was my junior year. I was in the Ross Volunteers there at AM if you know what the Ross Volunteers are. And, and we were, um, I don't remember what we were doing, but it was on opening day of deer season. And I grew up deer hunting. And Jennifer was with me and we were gonna leave after the Ross Volunteer thing and go see her parents. It was the first time in my life that I would not been hunting with my dad and my cousins and my uncle on uh, opening day of deer season. I was kind of sad that I wasn't getting to hunt because I love hunting. And she could tell I was sad. She looked at me and she said, what's wrong? And I was like, well, it's actually open day of deer season. It's the first time since I was like nine years old that I'm not hunting on open day of deer season. I'm just kind of sad. miss my, my uncle and my, my dad and stuff. And she looked at me and she said, you're telling me that you would rather be in a deer stand right now than here with me in this car. And I thought for a second and went, yes, I would. I'd rather be. (laughs) That was a mistake. Should have looked her right in the eye and laughed like a dog, all right? That's a life hack. You do something, and it changes your life for the better. So in all seriousness, Romans 12, 2 is a major, major life hack. It's one of these things that if you'll hear it today, And more importantly, you learn what it's saying, and you go out these doors, and you actually live it out. I'm not talking about you hear it and go, oh, that's a cool verse, and then where are we going to lunch? But you actually walk out the doors and start applying it in your life. It has the ability to absolutely change your life. As a matter of fact, the scripture promises you that if you do this, it will transform your life. So let's jump in. Look for a minute. What it's saying? Romans 12, 2. Paul says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Okay, so real quick, what he's saying. Paul says, number one, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. That's a fancy way of saying, look, as a, as a follower of Christ, as a Christian, you're to live differently than the world. You look different than the world. You ought to be different, live different, look different. Don't Whatever the pattern of the world is, you don't conform yourself to that. okay. So then he keeps going there. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And then he makes a really interesting statement. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, and so he's talking to Christians here. Don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. And then he makes a fascinating statement. He goes, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does he mean that we can be transformed? transformed. What does that mean? It's actually pretty crazy what it means. All right, to get our minds around what he's saying when he says the word transformed, you got to understand the root word. Now, the New Testament was written in the Greek language, if you didn't know that. And in the Greek, that word transformed is an interesting word. It's the Greek word. Our transform comes from the Greek word metamorphoste. Metamorphoste. It's a word where we get our English word metamorphosis. Okay, that's the root word of transformed. And so what the scripture is literally saying, what Paul is saying, is do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be metamorphose. Metamorphose by the renewing of your mind. That's where we get the English word metamorphosis. Now, what's a metamorphosis? What what, what is a metamorphosis? Well, I looked it up, and here's the definition. A metamorphosis is a change of the form or nature of a thing or a person into a completely different one by natural or supernatural means. That's a metamorphosis, listen. It's a change or form in form or nature of a thing into a completely different form or nature. That's a metamorphosis. You've got this thing, it's got a, you're a person, a thing, it's got a form, it's got a nature, and then it is completely and radically changed. Okay, actually. It's like, what, what, what does this look like? I got a picture for you. Show you what an actual metamorphosis looks like in nature. Over there to the left is a caterpillar. It's a caterpillar. It's green. It's got legs. Crawls around really, really slow. Can you imagine how frustrating it would be to be a caterpillar? Right? You're on a branch, and you're sitting there doing your thing, and you look over at the end of the branch, and there's like a bug, and you decide you want to eat it, so you take off. And like an hour and a half later, you get there. The bug's gone. That would be frustrating. But then something happens, I don't know, the, I, I, I didn't do well in science, but something happens there and that dude gets in a cocoon. And then something happens in the cocoon, that guy experiences a metamorphosis, a complete and total change of character and nature, and then somehow he gets out of the cocoon and he pops out and there he is, that guy or that girl, whatever, is a butterfly, where he, he, he used to only be able to crawl, now, now he's like got wings, he can fly. He used to go really, really slow, and now he goes fast. He used to be ugly, and now he's really, really beautiful. He's been completely and totally changed in form and nature. He experienced a metamorphosis, and look, that is the word that Paul intentionally uses to describe what can happen to you and to I. He says, do not, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the pattern in this world, but be transformed, metamorphose, by the renewing of your mind. Now, let me ask you guys a question here. Paul's talking to Christians here. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to people in the church that are already saved. And one of the things we know about people that are already believers Is that they've been saved, they have the Holy Spirit, and they've been made new creations. They've been made new creations, and so why? Is the Apostle Paul talking to people that have already been made new creations, why does he look at them and say, hey, you need to be transformed? You need to experience, here's how you can experience a metamorphosis. Why is he doing that? Well, here's the answer. He's not talking about their salvation here. When he says you can be transformed, you can experience metamorphosis, he's not talking about their salvation because they're already saved. What he's talking about is how they can experience a complete transformation in the way they live their lives. What the scripture is showing us here is that there's something that you and I can do, that we can actually go out the doors and do, and it's gonna totally transform the experience Of how we walk every day in our lives. Okay, don't don't raise your hand, but I ask you a question Is there an area of your life that you would say, you know, Matt, I I need a transformation? I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I have the Holy Spirit, but there's an area of my life that I'm just completely honest I need a metamorphosis, I need a complete change in my life in this area, if that's you today, I want you to watch what he says next. Because what he says next, he's gonna teach us how. He's gonna teach us how you and I can have this radical transformation in our everyday lives. Look at Romans twelve two again. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, Here's how you can be absolutely transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul says that's how you do it. That's how you experience a metamorphosis in your everyday life. You renew your mind. I love the way that the New Living Translation puts it because it puts it in a way that makes sense. The Living Translation says this. If you want to change your life, change the way that you think. If you want to completely change your life, change the way that you think. And so, Scripture's saying you and I can be completely transformed, experience metamorphosis, if we renew our minds. Now, what in the world does that mean? What does it mean to renew our minds? Okay? Well, to understand what he's talking about, I started digging into the word renew. What does that mean? Because we don't use it much in modern language, I was thinking about it. The only time we really use that word, renew, is when we're talking about renewing a contract. We're going to renew a contract. So it's the same old contract, but we're going to do it again. That's renewing, but that's not the true meaning of the word. The word here comes from the root word, uh, renovate. Renovation. That's the idea of what Paul is saying there. You've got to renovate. You're going to be transformed, experience metamorphosis, you've got to renovate your mind. Now, what does renovation mean? Renovation is when you take something old and you make it brand new. You take something that's not useful anymore and you change it to where it's absolutely beautiful and useless. Y'all ever seen those shows on TV where they renovate the homes? I've got like just one picture here of a renovation. I just typed renovation of a home on the internet and there's before, you know, looks like 1990s cabinetry there and then they went in and they did a complete kitchen renovation and there it is, it's brand new. Paul's whole point, listen carefully, whatever that thing is in your life, that you'll say, hey, I do, I need a change here. I need a transformation here. What he's saying is what they've done there with your house is what you've got to do with the way that you think. You want to be experienced transformation? You've got to upgrade the way that you think. All right, so let me ask you guys a question again one more time. Is there an area of your life that you need a transformation? Maybe it's something in your life that you're just getting stuck in. It's a sin that as a believer you know is wrong. You don't want to do it, but you keep falling into it. It's you love the Lord. You want to follow him, but you're struggling and falling into that thing you're getting stuck in. Maybe it's a conflict in your life. Conflict in your marriage and you, you love each other but, and you want to get along, but that, that conflict just keeps coming up. Maybe it's conflict with your children or your, your parents or, or some family member or a coworker. Maybe it's some area you're struggling in your finances. Maybe, maybe you sense deep down inside that God is calling you to do something in your life, but you're not doing it because of guilt or shame or, or whatever. Maybe there's some, you're going through a difficult season in your job your marriage, your children, your health, everybody's different. But if I were to ask you, what is an area in your life, you could raise your hand and all I see, say, Matt, I need a transformation right here. What would that be? Now, here's the thing that I want you to remember, and I want you to ever forget what this is actually saying to you and me. Uh, so many of, of those things that you and I struggle with on a daily basis, so many of them are outside of our control. There are things we wrestle with, there are things we face, there are situations that are absolutely, we have no power or no control over. I get that. But here is what the scripture is saying. Okay, at the same time, and I want you to hear this, while you may not be able to control the transforming of your situation, what the scripture is promising you is that you can be transformed regardless of the situation by the way that you think. Okay, I'm going to say that again. There are things you're going to face in life that you have no power or control over. And so, like, you, you have no power or control over the transforming of your situation. But what the Scripture is promising you today is that you and I can be transformed by the way that we think about that situation. That's what the Scripture is saying. Now, let me say this. This is not some pie in the sky, health, wealth, um, power of positive thinking kind of stuff here. This is what the Holy Spirit inspired word of God is telling us today. This is what the infallible, perfect, powerful word of the Lord is teaching us. It's saying that if you will only change the way that you think, that has the power through the Holy Spirit to completely transform your life for the better, okay? So here's the question. How do we do that? How do we renew our minds and experience transformation, okay? How do we renovate our minds? I'm gonna give you three quick points of application today. they will be done. Here's point number one. It's what renewing your mind looks like, okay? Number one, renewing your mind means regardless of your circumstances, change your mind's focus. That is step number one of what renewing your mind means Regardless of whatever circumstance you face, regardless of whatever situation you face, you change your mind's focus. Here's the reality, is that whatever you, everybody everybody check this out, look at me real quick. The reality is it doesn't matter what you face in life, you have a choice about where you allow your mind to dwell. You've got a choice in that. And that choice is either to dwell and be conformed to the pattern of this world or, in that situation, to renew your mind. It's a choice you make every single day of your life. Where do you allow your mind to dwell in the midst of that situation? I'll give you one example. Um, talk about marriage for a second. Let's say that um, you have a situation in your marriage, and I'm not talking about like, like an abusive situation. Maybe some of y'all are going through that. that that's out of your control here. I'm talking about just normal run-of-the-mill, you know, struggles in your marriage. Let's say, um, you know, wives, your husband leaves socks on the floor, okay? He leaves socks on the floor, and you've come to him, and you've said really nicely, like, hey, would you mind picking up your socks? And you said that to him on a Wednesday. And then Thursday comes around, and you, uh, or, you know, you come home, and lo and behold, there are socks laying on the floor again, Okay? And you feel it, you kind of start, start to get mad, but then you think, oh, I've got a choice here. <laughs> in that moment, you've got a choice. You can be conformed to the pattern of this world, or in that moment, by the power of the Spirit, you can renew your mind. So what would, um, what would be conformed to the pattern of this world look like? You walk in, you see the socks again on the floor, and you look at it and go, that dude left socks on the floor again. What a slob. He is completely blowing me off. And at that point, your mind, because you're being conformed to the path of this world, your mind starts to spiral, and you think, I did that. He did that on purpose. I just told him yesterday, he, he did that just to upset me. And then it, it goes even farther, and goes, he goes, if he did that on purpose, I bet he doesn't even care about me at all. If he doesn't care about me all, I bet he's not Cared about me since we were dating and it just spirals and spirals and it turns into something that it never should have turned into and it all happened in your mind because when you saw the thing, you made the choice to be conformed to the pattern of this world. But what if in that moment, see the socks on the floor and you say, all right, Lord, I, there's socks on the floor and so I, I need you, would you just help me to renew my mind right there, right here, right now I'm not gonna be conformed to the pattern of this world, but I'm gonna renew my mind. And you upgrade your thinking, what does that look like? What it looks like right there, renewing your mind, is you see it, but you choose to take your mind and you put it and you focus it on what is good. Now again, is this some kind of health, wealth, positive thinking? No, it's the word of God, and it's biblical. Don't turn there, look at Philippians 4, eight. It's exactly what Paul's saying. Philippians 4, eight. finally, brothers, whatever's true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. And watch what he says next. He says, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul literally is saying, Look, regardless of what you're going through, if there's anything commendable, anything worthy of praise at all, one translation says, Allow your mind to dwell on that. And so you walk in, socks are on the floor, you ask the Lord to renew your mind, and you go in and you begin to think, is there anything commendable about my husband? Yeah, there is. Is there anything uh, good about my husband? Yes. Is there anything worthy of praise? Yes. Is there anything honorable? Yes. And you begin to think about it. You You look at the socks, you go, you know, My husband has never been vindictive. And so he didn't do that on purpose. You know, my husband loves me. He's always loved me. He works hard. He probably just had a difficult day. And he left the socks on the floor. And you go and you pick them up because you love him. It didn't spiral into some crazy thing, but you serve him. It doesn't mean you can't come to him and say, hey, socks are on the floor again, and I picked them up because I love you. I know you've been working hard, but you mind picking them up. And guess what? When your husband sees You walking in the power of that, the renewing of your mind, that's gonna change him, the way he views you. And you know how I I know this? is because this is actually a story that happened in my life, right? I left, my wife, just a bugger so much when I left socks on the floor, and she just kept picking them up and kept being kind about it. And one day, I finally, it hit me, I was like, this woman is amazing. And she is godly, and it made me actually want to honor her and serve her. That's what happens when we choose to focus on what is good and honorable and right versus spiraling into the confirmation of the world, all right? So that's number one. Regardless of your circumstances, change your mind's focus. Here's number two. Regardless of your circumstances, change the words you speak to yourself. That's what renewing your mind looks like. As you change the words, not that you speak to others, but that you speak to yourself. One of the things I've realized in my life is, is that we all pretty much have this constant dialogue going on in our minds. And part of being transformed by the renewing of our mind is, is renewing the words that we are saying in that eternal, internal dialogue. Let me read a verse to you. It's Proverbs 18, 21. It's talking about the power of this. Proverbs 18, 31, Scripture says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Isn't it true? The tongue, it has the power of life and death. Words are powerful. They're so powerful, it can either bring about life or it can bring about death, and it's absolutely true. I've experienced it in my life. Have you, y'all know that phrase, sticks and stones can break my bones? but words will never harm me. That's the dumbest phrase ever been uttered in the English language. It's completely false. Every, every bone I've ever broken has healed. But there are words that people have spoken to me 20, 30, 40 years ago that still impact my life today. Words are speech. Have the power of life and death, and that is just as true regarding the words that you say to yourself as it is to the words you say to other people. I'll give you a quick example. Um, I planted a church called the Austin Stone back in two thousand two in Austin, Texas, and and there in the first year or so of that plant, we had three little kids. My wife Jennifer and I had three little kids, working really hard. It was just a really busy, crazy time, and we. Became friends with this couple. We hung out with them a couple times, hung out with them a third time, and we just had a blast with them. Just had a blast with them. Just, just loved hanging out with them, had fun. We laughed and laughed together. And so after kind of the third time that we'd hung out, it was a, it was a couple of weeks since we'd talked to them, and the lady and the other couple sent my wife a text and said, hey, let's, let's hang out again. We'd love to, love to hang out with you guys again. It's been so much fun. Well, my wife, bless her heart, I don't know if your wife's like this, but my wife is not great about responding to texts. Like, it's nothing personal, because she does it to me all the time, but she didn't respond. And three days go by, and you know, again, she's got three little kids, we're playing a church, we're busy. Three days go, goes by, and this lady sends a text to my wife, just absolutely going off on her. Again, we've been hanging out. These people are our friends. We had a blast Sends my wife a text, my wife doesn't respond for whatever reason, probably forgot, and then three days later, just goes off on my wife and said something like, I get it, I know you don't like us. You don't wanna hang out with us, and you know what, we don't like you either. <laughs> my wife, I'll never forget, my wife brought this over to me, I'm like, what in the world is that? Well, what had been going on? In, in those three days between the missed text and when she sent The text, she was having a conversation in her head and the words that she was speaking to herself were conforming to the pattern of this world and it was producing death. I guarantee you she was saying to herself, I can't believe they didn't get back to us. They they probably have never liked us from the start. You know what? They've probably just been using us. So guess what? We don't like them either. And so she sends a text And what did it do? She conformed to the pattern of this world. She did not renew her mind. She sent those words to us and it produced death. We never hung out with them again. We even tried, oh we're so sorry. We just missed it, we love you guys. Never spoke to us again. Words have the power of life and death. What if in that situation, she takes my wife, doesn't get a response, and in that moment, when she feels herself spiraling, say, "Lord, would you help me right now to renew my mind?" And she begins to dwell on what's good and honorable and worthy of praise and so the thoughts she has in her mind then or look, Matt and Jen are good people. We had fun with them. They were kind to us. He's a pastor. He's busy. She's a mother of three little kids. They're busy. They didn't mean anything. So she texts back, hey, Jen, I know you're busy, um, but we, we just want you to know we love you, and is there any way we can bless you? And if so, we'd love to hang out with you again. What happens when Jen gets that text? It produces life. We might be friends with them today. Words have the power of life and death. Make sure what you are speaking to yourself, the words of life, by the renewing of your mind. Last one. Number three. And this is actually an important one. It might be the most important one you can learn. But regardless of your circumstances, choose to believe God. God. That's the most important thing you'll ever hear about renewing your mind is that regardless of your circumstances even when they're very very difficult you choose to believe God listen there are going to be times in your life that are just hard they are just hard and and, and not just hard but if you live long enough you're going to go through times in your life that are not just difficult but they're they're a nightmare and no matter how much you try and how much you pray, it's just going to be really difficult to renew your mind and focus on what's good and praiseworthy because there's that situation you're in, there's it's just nothing praiseworthy in it. You lose a child, there's nothing praiseworthy in that. And in those moments... In those days, in those times, in those situations, sometimes the only thing you can do is turn your eyes to the Lord and say, God, I do not see or feel anything good, but, Lord, I'm going to turn my eyes to you because I believe that you are good, and I'm going to dwell today on your goodness. That's what the apostle Paul was saying in Colossians 3, 2. When he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. There are going to be times in your life where there's nothing good that you can dwell your mind on. And in that moment, you turn your eyes to Jesus and you dwell on his goodness. You're like, Lord, you say you're good. So right now, renewing my mind, the only thing I can do is I believe your goodness. God, you love me. Your word says, you love me, so right now, I'm gonna choose to believe. I'm gonna renew my mind by choosing to believe your love for me. God, your word says that you will, no matter what I'm going through, you will never leave me and you will forsake me. So I choose to believe right now that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, you are with me. I am setting my mind on that thing. God, the scripture says there's coming a day where you will wipe away every tear from my eye and there will be no more pain there will be no more sickness there will be no more death and I choose to set my mind on things above today not earthly things and the scripture says that has the power to transform you to radically change you I'm going to end the sermon by telling you one fast story where I have seen this so powerfully and for, for those that are younger younger this may seem like a long way for you, but I, I don't want you to forget this story. It was the church that I pastored here in Houston. Lady on the pastor's church team was named Pam Henderson, amazing woman of God. Loved her to death. She was always just for me and just was a friend. She was in her 70s. I lost my mom when I was younger, and Pam looked a lot like my mom and kind of acted like my mom, and so I just we just kind of became friends, and me and my wife and her husband, kind of like surrogate mom and dad. Well, Pam, about a year into my time there, she got diagnosed with cancer. And it was one of those kind of cancers that there's no cure for. And um, and everybody's freaking out and so sad because she only had about a month left to live and maybe less. and, And I watched this woman walk in a joy. A joy, a real joy that I had never seen anybody else walk through cancer or no cancer. I, I watched her walk in a confidence and a power and a joy that was obviously from the Lord. Never seen anybody face death as well as this woman did. It was Unbelievable. People's lives were changed to it and I was hanging out with her and her husband one day and I asked her, I was like, Pam, I'll just be honest with you. I've been in ministry for 30 years. I've never seen anybody face their death the way you are. I said, first of all, thank you. It's inspired me, but I asked her straight up. I said, Pam, how are you doing it? How are you doing it? I'll never forget what she said. It was so simple. She said, Matt, every time I get scared, I think about Jesus. I think about Jesus and I think that If he doesn't heal me, the worst case scenario is in a few days, I see his face. She was renewing her mind. And it was transforming her life. And if she can face that, with that kind of grace and joy and love by the renewing of her mind, I promise you, whatever you're facing today, you can walk with grace and joy and peace too. Let's bow our heads today. you're a believer, you're facing something difficult, I want to invite you to ask God right now just to give you strength, not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and just ask him to give you the power to do it. If you're living a nightmare today, ask him to set your eyes on things above, not on earthly things. If you're here today and you're not a believer, maybe you've never, there's never been a time in your life where you've just trusted into Jesus and his work on the cross for the payment, the forgiveness of your sins. And you've never entered into a relationship with God that's available to you right now now just ask God God I want to follow you the rest of my life Father I just lift these amazing people up to you God there are so many issues and situations and problems that they all face Lord turn their eyes to you renew their mind let them be transformed for your glory in Jesus name Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.